Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The truth is the most convincing story that maps onto reality that's why the central narrative is falling apart. Right now in the United States, people should not be walking around with masks. We must see the central narrative for the fiction that it is. We are Americans. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. The founders began the fight for human liberty and self-governance, and it's up to us to finish the job. I tell you what, we are in a truth emergency right now. This is the end game. It's Thursday, September 8th, 2022, the 596th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. A warm welcome and hello to all of you listening to the podcast on the day of its release. In order to do that, you must become a paid subscriber at I'mYourModerator.Substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode, and you will get all the writing immediately when I release it. You will be supporting me, the work I do, and this show as it expands. And hey, if you don't want to do that, or you don't feel like you can, just get it for free two days later. All good. Now, if you've been listening to this show for any amount of time, you may have gotten the impression that I don't care too much about celebrity gossip. And the celebrity gossip I care the least about is Britain's royal family. Don't care about any of it, generally speaking. But it seems like either the Queen has died or is about to die. And there was a tweet earlier from a BBC reporter saying that the Queen had already died and that that was the message from Buckingham Palace. And then that tweet was deleted and he apologized for putting that story out. It could just be that it's a matter of timing. They're not ready for the world to know yet. But mainstream media around the world has picked up on the state of the queen's poor health. And there is rampant speculation that she will soon be passing. And I suppose that's sad in the way it's sad when anyone dies. But I also think the concept of royalty is a very stupid one. And I would prefer a world without kings and queens. And it's funny because being raised in America and having a public school education in America prior to college, obviously, means that I was given the impression throughout my schooling that there weren't really kings and queens in the world anymore. They were all just kind of figureheads. 
But the governments of those individual countries, they were kind of just like ours. But you also had the the king or the queen just standing by on the side for all of the big, important celebrations. Just the symbolism is what mattered. And I think we're finding out that just generally is not true. When it was announced a few weeks ago that Boris Johnson was going to step down as leader of the Tory party and someone else would be replacing him as party leader, the reporting immediately was that Boris Johnson would be stepping down as prime minister. But that didn't happen until earlier this week, because for that to happen and for a new prime minister to be appointed, that goes through the queen. Now, it's commonly understood that the leader of the majority party would be prime minister under the queen's appointment, and that presents the illusion of that prime minister being in some way democratically elected and being the head of state as the official representative of the people. But if the queen has to approve of that happening, then the prime minister is really the official representative of the queen. And I don't often turn to People magazine for its reporting, but let's just go ahead and do it today because they love royal gossip. This is from Tuesday. Queen Elizabeth appears in first public photos since heading to Scotland in July. So the queen had not been making public appearances for a while. Queen Elizabeth is back in front of the camera. A new solo photo of the monarch, 96, was released Tuesday just before she appointed conservative leader Liz Truss as the new prime minister. In the image, the queen beamed before a crackling fire in the drawing room of Balmoral Castle in Scotland, holding a walking cane and her go-to black handbag. Tuesday's meetings mark the first time Queen Elizabeth has been seen by the public in six weeks. In late July, she was spotted leaving her royal residence of Windsor Castle for her Balmoral estate, where she traditionally spends the late summer months. Just days before, the Queen and Princess Anne stepped out for a surprise engagement. The mother-daughter duo headed to Maidenhead to open the new 28-bed Thames Hospice Building. There, the queen animatedly chatted with patient Pat White, also speaking with staff and volunteers during a tour. Truss, 47, becomes the third and youngest woman to be elected the UK's prime minister and the first not to formally meet the queen in England after election in the royal's 70-year reign. Well, that's odd. The monarch has been experiencing episodic mobility issues, and a source tells people that the decision was made to host Tuesday's audiences at Balmoral to provide certainty for schedules. In addition to inviting Trust to become prime minister and form a government in her name, Queen Elizabeth also met with outgoing prime minister Boris Johnson at the castle for a formal farewell. Appointing the prime minister is one of the queen's key duties, one she wouldn't delegate to her son and heir, Prince Charles. Charles, 73, has been undertaking an increasing number of roles on the monarch's behalf in recent months, but not that key duty. Although she met her first prime minister, Sir Winston Churchill, when she stepped off the plane that brought her back from Kenya to Britain, following the death of her father, King George VI, in 1952, all others have gone to see her at the palace. So, traditionally speaking, for this queen, the circumstances by which she appointed Liz Truss as prime minister and accepted Boris Johnson's resignation as prime minister are already a little strange. And it just so happens that right now, as I'm recording, the notifications begin coming through. Queen Elizabeth is dead at 96. So two days before her death, a death that has been anticipated for quite a while as her condition has been declining for quite a while, she appoints the new prime minister. And what timing? Boris Johnson was scandaled out of office 
not very long ago. And now a new prime minister comes in under the Queen's appointment, a key duty that she would not relinquish to Prince Charles. And two days later, she is dead. Now, if you're inclined to think that that reporter from the BBC a few hours ago who said the Queen was dead was right at the time and told to take his tweet down because of optics and timing and planning, you would be a conspiracy theorist, but you would probably also be exactly right. But I guess we'll never know. Maybe she was still alive three hours ago. He jumped the gun and then she died after that. But for now, let's stick with the central narrative. The queen has just died, which certainly comes as a surprise. Only two days after she was spry enough to take pictures for the public and appoint a new prime minister. But I know, I know it's totally something that could happen. And so it probably did happen because that's what the news said happened. Now, you might imagine that the death of the queen of the most important empire in hundreds of years would be the sort of thing that would have all sorts of implications around the world. It's something that you would have to put plans in place for. And that's exactly what they've done. I had never paid attention to Operation London Bridge until today, but it's fascinating. And I'm going to play this video. It's a few minutes long. I just think it's worth everybody understanding the central narrative around what happens now. This is from Business Insider, and you can find it on YouTube. What will happen when Queen Elizabeth II dies? Operation London Bridge. That's the code name given to the plan in place for the days and weeks after Queen Elizabeth II's passing. The Queen has been sitting on the royal throne since 1952. That's the longest reign of any monarch in British history. And during that time, she's seen over a dozen UK prime ministers, nearly 20 Summer Olympics, and over half a dozen popes. The Queen is the cornerstone to the Commonwealth, the patron to almost 600 organisations and charities, and plays a pivotal role in the UK's alliance with many countries. So her passing will bring about a lot of change. Not just for the United Kingdom, but potentially the world. Her private secretary, the Right Honourable Edward Young, will immediately pass a message on to the acting Prime Minister at the time. That message will likely read, London Bridge is down. The Prime Minister will then set Operation London Bridge into action. Within minutes, the 15 governments outside of the UK where the Queen is Head of State will be informed over a secure line. And that will be followed by the other 36 Commonwealth nations and leaders around the world. The gates of Buckingham Palace will then dawn a black-edged notice of the news. At the same time, a news flash will alert media around the world. Every media outlet is prepared for the news. Every radio station has a network of lights that will flash to indicate a national catastrophe such as this. All BBC shows will stop and proceed to run a feed dedicated to the news. News readers will change into the black suits and clothing that is on hand at all times in the news studio. And the traditional red BBC News branding will turn black. Newspapers, TV channels and radio stations have days of coverage ready to go. On the same day as her death, the Queen's eldest son, Charles will immediately become king. And it's reported that the stock exchange, businesses and shops across the UK will likely close for the day out of respect. The day after the Queen's death, on a live stream, Charles will make his first official speech as king. And the government will swear its allegiance to the sound of a 41-gun salute in Hyde Park, London. After that, King Charles if this is the name he so chooses, will set off on a UK tour, visiting the leaders of government in the capitals of each country, Edinburgh, Belfast, and Cardiff, before returning to London. 
During this period, TV channels will play the many documentaries already made in the Queen's honour, and the BBC will refrain from playing comedy shows as a sign of respect until after the funeral. Four days after her death, the Queen's coffin will be led on a military procession from Buckingham Palace to Westminster Hall. Here, she will lie in state over the next four days, and after which King Charles, family and dignitaries will pay their respects. Then, the doors will open to likely hundreds of thousands of people queued up outside. The funeral is estimated to take place 10 to 12 days after the Queen's passing. But one thing is certain, the day of the funeral will be an official bank holiday for the whole of the United Kingdom. The stock exchange will close for a second time in under two weeks, and many businesses will follow suit. At 11am sharp, the bells of Big Ben will chime, the country will fall silent, and the coffin will be brought inside Westminster Abbey, where 2,000 specially invited guests will bow their heads in prayer. After the service, the coffin will be taken to Windsor Castle, and then finally to St George's Chapel, where Queen Elizabeth II will likely be laid to rest next to her father, King George VI. Likely, within a year after the funeral, an official coronation for King Charles will take place on yet another bank holiday. All in all, accounting for the multiple bank holidays, funeral expenses and coronation celebrations, the Queen's passing is estimated to cost the UK economy billions of pounds. In addition, hundreds of changes will happen across the UK in the months to come. New British currency will be printed with the King's portrait, and the Queen's currency will slowly be removed from use. The same will happen for stamps, passports, and police and military uniforms, and the national anthem will be changed to God Save the King. Not to mention how the world and Commonwealth will react to the new king could alter the British royal family forever. For example, there is growing support in Australia for the country to become a republic, and the Queen's death could heighten that support. This could lead other countries to follow suit, which would almost certainly weaken the British monarchy. This scenario will one day be upon us. Operation London Bridge will be triggered, and arguably the biggest funeral of our lifetime will be witnessed around the world. This will be the end of an era. Now, it's worth noting that that video is two years old, just in case you're like, oh, that little detail or that little detail is a bit off. That's probably why. But there are two parts of this video that I want to focus on, especially because we are going to be flooded, just overwhelmed with pomp and circumstance for as long as they choose to play this story out. That's what's going to dominate the news is the ceremony of it all and the queen's importance and a rerun of all of the central narrative surrounding World War II and how great she is and everything else. Wonderful, you might say. What entertainment. I'm learning history and hearing about how the world-domineering monarch is probably the greatest person that ever lived. You might just eat that up. Certainly, American media will. And that's kind of the most cucked thing imaginable for an American or any free people. But let's skip over that completely and focus on the parts of that video that are directly related to geopolitics. And the first one is where it noted that the Queen of England is the head of state in 15 countries around the world and that there are 36 commonwealths, all of them to be alerted within 15 minutes of her passing. So you can imagine that they have already heard about this by now within the last 15 minutes or at least sometime within the last few years. Who knows when the queen died? The truth is basically nobody. But the history will record her death as having occurred on September 8th of 2022. But let's focus back on the geopolitics, and there's no better place to get the geopolitical central narrative than the Council on Foreign Relations. This is an article with the headline, Queen Elizabeth II is the monarch of 15 countries. What does that mean? 
Queen Elizabeth is the monarch of 14 countries in addition to the United Kingdom. Barbados's transition to a republic has revived debate over the future of the crown. This is from March 25th, 2022. Queen Elizabeth is the longest serving British monarch in history, having ascended to the throne in 1952 at age 25. She is also the queen of more than a dozen other independent countries that were once under direct British colonial rule. In 2021, Barbados became the latest country to sever its ties with the crown. Will others follow suit? So she is the queen of more than a dozen other independent countries that were once under direct British colonial rule. And now you see it's so much different. All those countries are independent, just like Britain is. She's just a figurehead, really. Kind of like the Monopoly man. You can just move her around on the board. Queen Elizabeth is not only the monarch of the United Kingdom, but also of 14 other countries, including Canada and others across the Asia Pacific and the Caribbean. These are known as the Commonwealth Realms. They are distinct from the Commonwealth of Nations, a loose grouping of 54 countries that were once part of the British Empire, but most which are not still subjects of the Queen. Together, there are some 150 million people in the Commonwealth realms, the most populous of which are the UK, Canada, Australia, Papua New Guinea, and New Zealand. These countries are all independent and sovereign states. Still, the role of the queen is in many places a subject of controversy, since many gained their independence through uprisings against British colonial rule. Oh, that sounds just like us. Commonwealth realms are constitutional monarchies, meaning the monarch's powers are largely symbolic and political decisions are made by an elected parliament and implemented by prime ministers. Of course they are. The queen is thus head of state, but not head of government, meaning she is not involved in day-to-day -day governing. In the United States, by contrast, the president is both head of state and head of government. The queen does have some constitutional duties, the most significant being the approval of new governments. Depending on the country, she may formally approve legislation, appoint certain officials, or grant state honors. In non-UK realms, the Queen appoints a royal representative to carry out these duties. This figure is known as Governor General. Or if this was Game of Thrones, Justin Trudeau would be King in the North. <laughs> in exceptional circumstances, the Crown also has what are known as reserve powers, or the authority to unilaterally override other branches of government. This has happened rarely since World War II, the most notable example being Australia's 1975 constitutional crisis in which the governor general dismissed a sitting prime minister. Wow, the queen sounds awfully powerful. It's like she's still the head of an empire, but not involved in the day to day government. I mean, that's for like the elected representatives of the people. Duh. Most fundamentally, the purpose of the queen is to serve as a nonpartisan symbol of the nation, constitutional continuity, and moral authority. Official documents are marked with the royal seal and the queen's visage featured on local currency. And that must be nice, being an Australian and knowing that the Queen of England is your moral authority. Her many trips to the Commonwealth realms have helped kindle an affection and loyalty even in countries where the Republican movement is strong, such as Jamaica. Well, that's strange. I was told Jamaicans are black and this would seem like colonization. This would seem like colonialism. Why isn't anyone mad about that? They want their own free country, but their government still serve at the leisure of an old white lady. The royal family has long been a source of British soft power and diplomatic influence, though that has been undermined in some realms due to accusations by Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle, 
of racism within the family. Nearly 20 former British territories renounced their monarchies and became republics after World War II, including India, Nigeria, and Pakistan. This is generally meant replacing the queen with another head of state figure, often a president whose role is also largely ceremonial. Why don't they just say ceremonial? Largely ceremonial. And largely is doing a lot of work there. Largely basically means anything. They're making a subjective judgment and saying that the monarch's particular powers are not really the important ones. She's just able to approve governments, be the moral authority, the symbol of the nation, and unilaterally override other branches of government. But you have to understand that is largely ceremonial. For countries that saw their monarchies as unwelcome remnants of colonialism, this was the final step in distancing themselves from its last vestiges. The 1970s saw the last major wave of departures, with Caribbean countries Dominica, Guyana, and Trinidad and Tobago. Mauritius in the Indian Ocean left in 1992. Barbados is the latest to exit, having officially left the monarchy behind by swearing in a president on November 30th, 2021. Barbadian leaders framed the move as a long-awaited culmination of independence. The time has come to fully leave our colonial past behind, said Governor General Sandra Mason in announcing the exit. The date was set to coincide with the 55th anniversary of Barbados's independence from the UK. Oh, a governor general. That is exactly what they're called, as we just learned a moment ago, when they're still controlled by the queen to reprise in non-UK realms. The queen appoints a royal representative to carry out these duties. This figure is known as a governor general, but they're independent now, don't you see? Barbados's decision has added to recent movements in some other countries, especially in the Caribbean, to reconsider their ties to the Queen. Part of the Black Lives Matter movement that swept the world in 2020. Protests in the UK have often focused on the repercussions of slavery in Britain's Caribbean colonies and the role it played in the empire's wealth and global power. Some British companies involved in the slave trade have promised to make amends, but Barbados and the other members of the Caribbean community have pressed European governments for full reparations. Jamaica, where the movement to break with the monarchy has been gaining steam, has directly petitioned Queen Elizabeth for reparations for the crown's role in the transatlantic slave trade. Jamaican Prime Minister Andrew Holness went a step further in March 2022, announcing that the country intends to become fully independent of the monarchy. And again, this is so weird because I was told that it was white Americans who were entirely responsible for the transatlantic slave trade. Analysts differ on the likelihood that other countries will reject the crown. King's College's Richard Drayton, a historian, has argued that Barbados could be a tipping point in that regard. Yet Aaron Kamagisha of Barbados's University of the West Indies says the impact is likely to be limited, especially given that some countries have stricter requirements for the change. In Canada, for instance, it would require a constitutional reform meaning the unanimous assent of the 10 provinces as well as parliament. Canadian support for republicanism remains below a majority, but it has grown sharply in the last year. And yet another factor in Canada and elsewhere is the popularity of Queen Elizabeth. Experts say that she commands a level of respect not yet earned by much of the rest of the royal family, creating unpredictability for her successor. So what are these 14 now British overseas territories, Anguilla, Bermuda, British Antarctic Territory, British Indian Ocean Territory, British Virgin Islands, the Cayman Islands. Oh, that's where everyone puts their money. The Falkland Islands, Gibraltar, Montserrat, Pitcairn, Henderson, Ducey, and Oino Islands. 
I'm going to say some stuff wrong, probably. St. Helena Ascension and Tristan de Cunha. That sounds like it might be Brazilian, I guess. And I probably said it in the wrong way. South Georgia and the South Sandwich Islands. Sovereign base areas of Akrotiri and Dekilia. And Turks and Caicos Islands. And while we're at it, let's do the Commonwealths as well. Antigua and Barbuda, Australia, the Bahamas, Bangladesh, Barbados, Belize, Botswana, Brunei, Cameroon, Canada, Cyprus, Dominica, Eswatini, Fiji, Gabon, Gambia, Ghana, Grenada, Guyana, India, Jamaica, Kenya, Kiribati, Lesotho, Malawi, Malaysia, Maldives, Malta, Mauritius, Mozambique, Namibia, Nauru, New Zealand, Nigeria, Pakistan, Papua New Guinea, Rwanda, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, sounds like a band name, Samoa, Seychelles, Sierra Leone, Singapore, South Africa, Sri Lanka, Tanzania, Togo, Tonga, Trinidad and Tobago, Tuvalu, Uganda, Vanuatu, and Zambia. Now that is a whole lot of places. Now the elected president of the United States, Donald J. Trump, has released a statement on the Queen's death. Melania and I are deeply saddened to learn of the loss of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Together with our family and fellow Americans, we send our sincere condolences to the royal family and the people of the United Kingdom during this time of great sorrow and grief. Queen Elizabeth's historic and remarkable reign left a tremendous legacy of peace and prosperity for Great Britain. Her leadership and enduring diplomacy secured and advanced alliances with the United States and countries around the world. However, she will always be remembered for her faithfulness to her country and her unwavering devotion to her fellow countrymen and women. Melania and I will always cherish our time together with the Queen and never forget Her Majesty's generous friendship, great wisdom, and wonderful sense of humor. What a grand and beautiful lady she was. There was nobody like her. Our thoughts and prayers will remain with the great people of the United Kingdom as you honor her most meaningful life and exceptional service to the people. May God bless the Queen. May she reign forever in our hearts. And may God hold her and Prince Philip in abiding care. So a very magnanimous statement from the elected president, Donald J. Trump. But let's get back to the other point I want to make about the London Bridge video. In addition... Hundreds of changes will happen across the UK in the months to come. New British currency will be printed with the King's portrait, and the Queen's currency will slowly be removed from use. The same will happen for stamps, passports, and police and military uniforms, and the national anthem will be changed to God Save the King. Not to mention how the world and Commonwealth will react to the new King could alter the British royal family forever. For example, there is growing support in Australia for the country to become a republic, and the Queen's death could heighten that support. This could lead other countries to follow suit, which would almost certainly weaken the British monarchy. This scenario will one day be upon us. Operation London Bridge will be triggered, and arguably the biggest funeral of our lifetime will be witnessed around the world. This will be the end of an era. Okay, so leaving aside again the pomp and circumstance about the stamps and the anthem and the passports and the police and military uniforms, Australia might decide to become a republic and potentially sever their relationship with the British crown. If that happens, other countries might follow suit. Now, think about the Five Eyes nations, right? The intelligence sharing nations. The United States, Canada, Great Britain, New Zealand, and Australia. All of those are countries for whom the Queen of England was the head of state in a largely ceremonial role. Except for the United States, we are nothing like those other countries. 
But the video also noted that these countries becoming republics and severing their ties with the British crown could weaken the British monarchy. Well, haven't we always kind of been told the whole thing about the British monarchy is that it's just ceremonial? The queen is just a figurehead. Why would these nations leaving weaken the monarchy? The British Empire doesn't exist anymore. Colonialism is in the past. It's not real now. Except that it so obviously is. How did we get that impression? Oh, wait, it's because we were told a story and then just always believed it and never bothered looking. Yeah, I guess that's it. But let's backtrack for just a second, because it is not only Operation London Bridge or it is not specifically Operation London Bridge because the queen died, we're told, in Scotland, which means that instead they go to Operation Unicorn. So what's Operation Unicorn? Well, this is from the Herald in Scotland, and this is from July 6th, 2019. There's all sorts of articles coming out about this today, but I would rather have an article that's a few years old and not get the very current trending popular opinion from the central narrative. So the Herald Scotland, Operation Unicorn, the secret strategy for the queen dying in Scotland. A secret strategy is in place to help key public bodies plan for the Queen passing away in Scotland, the Herald on Sunday can reveal. Operation Unicorn will involve the immediate suspension of business at the Scottish Parliament as the authorities prepare for a state funeral that will become a global event. A Holyrood source said the Queen dying north of the border could result in hundreds of thousands of people from across the world flocking to Holyrood. And Holyrood is an area in Edinburgh, Scotland, where the Scottish Parliament building sits, as well as the palace of Holyrood House, the official residence of the monarch in Scotland. But let's continue with Operation Unicorn. It has previously been reported that the UK strategy for handling the Queen's death, Operation London Bridge, dates back to the 1960s. The plan has been adapted since the turn of the century, and it is believed meetings take place around three times a year that include government departments, the police and broadcasters. However, an online minute of the Scottish Parliament's leadership group, a forum for senior Holyrood staff, revealed the existence of a parallel strategy. The account of the meeting, which took place in June, and again, this is 2019, stated LG received an update on planning for Operation Unicorn, the death of Her Majesty the Queen while in Scotland. The primary focus was on the impacts on staffing and the specific impacts depending on timing. The secret code name was first mentioned in the Parliament's online papers in 2017 when LG agreed to set up a resilience board for disruptive incidents. Parliament proposed that the significant incidents should include Holyrood's role in London Bridge and Unicorn without specifying what the latter meant. It is understood that if the Queen dies in Scotland, she spends around three months a year at Balmoral. The Parliament, the neighboring palace of Holyrood House and St. Giles Cathedral will be the main focal points. If the monarch dies when the Parliament is sitting, Chamber and committee business will be suspended and the funeral will take place around 10 days after her death. It is believed that up to six parliamentary days could be lost, but there will be 36 hours to prepare for a motion of condolence in the chamber. One of the major challenges facing the parliament is coping with the huge number of people who are expected to want to sign a condolence book at Holyrood. Yes, that sounds like such a massive concern. If the queen passes away in Scotland, her body will rest at Holyrood House, following which her coffin will be carried to the cathedral on the Royal Mile. At this point, her body will be placed on the Royal Train at Waverley Station for a journey down the East Coast Main Line. Passing references have been made to Operation Unicorn in NHS board papers, but with no explanation for what it is. Transport for Edinburgh 
which manages the capital's bus and tram network, is expected to have an important role in the days after the Queen's death. According to a TFE report, the transport body was last year given delegated authority for the coordination of the Edinburgh Council side of Unicorn and other sensitive operations. It noted that TFE had secured long-term resources for these tasks, including police and army personnel, as well as pro bono support from a firm called Inveroy Crisis Management. A newspaper reported last year that civic leaders in Scotland had taken part in a summit on Operation London Bridge. It was a provost's association meeting. One participant was quoted as saying, we were getting briefed on a very sensitive issue that we can't say anything about. We meet every so often. A Scottish Parliament spokesperson said the existence of plans for a future change of reign are a matter of public record. According to the Daily Mail today, there is another contingency plan codenamed Operation Overstudy that will be triggered if the journey is to be made by air, most likely flying the coffin on an aircraft of the Queen's flight to Royal Air Force Breeze Norton or Royal Air Force Northolt. Whether the coffin is borne by air or rail, it will be met by a reception committee of the prime minister and members of her cabinet upon its arrival in London. And there is another interesting note from this Daily Mail article. An extraordinary level of action will now be required by all arms of the British state, including a vast security operation to manage the unprecedented crowds and travel that could see, in the words of one official memo, London might even be declared full. But let's return to what could potentially happen as far as the British monarchy is concerned and their control over countries and territories around the world. Australia is already thinking about becoming a republic. Think about the nations that were the most locked down during COVID. Canada, Australia, and New Zealand we're all extremely locked down. All sorts of restrictions. Australia and New Zealand were nuts, particularly in certain states of Australia. And those are all nations where the Queen of England was the head of state. There are also Five Eyes nations as well. And restrictions along those lines were attempted, at least in some states right here in America. And you'll remember that it was the Imperial College of London and Neil Ferguson's mathematical model that showed the extraordinary deaths that would happen around the world as a result of the very deadly pandemic. And that was used to justify the lockdowns that we saw. Could we see a spate of countries following Australia's lead and trying to sever ties with the British crown? Could the British monarchy, in some significant sense, be collapsing? We're going to have to keep our eyes on that because the movement toward populism around the world is ongoing. And consider this report from this morning on War Room. This is reporter Matthew Tiermond in Sweden. I'm going to take you on a magical trip uh, to Sweden. And Matt, welcome, uh, welcome to the war room. What, the, what, are, what are you doing in Sweden, brother? Help a brother uh, out. Uh, uh, I'm here to illuminate. Uh, on Sunday is the first of the fall season's European parliamentary elections here in Sweden. Two weeks after that is Italy, which obviously a lot of eyes are on with Fratelli and Liga uh, well positioned to uh, take control of the Italian political scene. But in Sweden as well, there's a cataclysm underfoot that nobody's talking about, and that is the right-wing conservative sovereigntist party, the Swedish Democrats, are poised to overwhelmingly become the secondary party after the social Dems, and that by taking share from the social Dems, they may be in position to build a coalition with the third largest party, the moderates, and knock out the incumbent social Dems who have had unilateral control without coalition over parliament, over government the last eight years, have been a part of the Swedish uh, institutional establishment since the 70s. And if this plays out, as we expect, on Monday, the EU is going to have a conniption because this is going to be a harbinger of this fall season into next year, the same way Brexit and Trump was in 2016. The Swedish Dems are polling in the mid-20s. At one point in the last two years, they were actually the top polling getter 
uh, of all of Sweden, which is obviously the establishment is very angry about. This is a party that stands for reinforcing borders and sovereignty, not having the open borders migration replacement uh, stratagem of the incumbent left, which is very well aligned with Brussels and Strasbourg with social Dems. Social Dems are vulnerable. It is there. There's Tory effect going on here. People won't fully admit that they're going to vote in as, ma- in as much and mass for the Swedish Dems as we think they are going to this weekend. And this is going to start a new next shoot a drop of the sovereigntist revolution we've been seeing in Europe since 2016. It's a big election. I'll be reporting here from Stockholm. I was just in Swedish parliament. Uh, we are really well poised to pick up some ground against the establishment left, the open borders left, the Soros funded left. They are going to have a conniption on Monday with the results that will come out on Sunday. So it's super exciting here in Sweden. The establishment's going to get donkey punched, and uh, we're pretty thrilled about it. Uh, and a lot of people are going to vote for you know who they say is the evil right wing. Well, that evil right wing, quote unquote, is mainstreaming on the issues of. Now, I know that I'm a conspiracy theorist who is always wrong about everything until a few weeks later when I'm always right about everything. And knowing that, I'm going to be totally wrong about everything right now, for sure, for at least a few days or a few weeks or maybe months, maybe a couple years. But we'll see. When I hear about all of this and look at all of this through the good twin, evil twin paradigm, I see a whole lot more than just a ceremonial figurehead queen passing away. Now, for those who are relatively new to the show, by good twin, evil twin, I mean the way that I look at global events is always through the filter of whether or not the parties and the party's actions and what is reported about those actions can be processed as serving the agenda of the global communists in their quest for a one world government or if it can be seen as serving the interests of sovereign nationalists, people who care about the strength of their own nations and put their own nations first. They want their own nations to be independent and governed in service of the people of those nations. I don't think it makes any sense to say Russia is doing this or China is doing that or Ukraine is doing this or France is doing that. There are factions in every nation. Some of those factions serve the global agenda. They operate in coordination with the United Nations, the WHO, the World Economic Forum. Other factions exist to reject all of that and protect the interests of the citizens of their nation. It's true here. It's true everywhere. Just think about the reaction to COVID in places like California and New York and Washington State and Illinois. Places that the Democrats have infiltrated completely. They have taken over the election apparatus and they have turned those states irrevocably blue. Or at least that was their plan and that's what they thought they had. And very soon they will find out they were completely wrong about that. And that day will come and it will be awesome. But then you also have places that seem at least to be rejecting all of that. Florida and Texas and South Dakota, states like that where the commands of the global order aren't implemented as pervasively as they are in the quote unquote blue states. So when I hear reports about Shanghai locking down, I don't say China's locking down. I say Shanghai is locking down. Just like in America, When California locked down, other countries around the world might have said the Americans are locking down, but that wasn't really true. California was locking down. New York was locking down. Texas abandoned its mask requirements in March of 2021. And in July of 2022, California was still thinking about re-implementing theirs. If we were reading mainstream media in another country, and we read those headlines about California considering the re-implementation of their mask mandates, we might be inclined to say the United States is considering re-implementing mask mandates, but that would be totally incorrect. 
And so I try at all times to apply the same principles to the rest of the world and try to figure out whether or not the decisions being made in other countries are decisions being made by factions in power or decisions being made by state governors or the equivalent in a given nation, rather than taking a generalized approach and saying this country is doing X. Because that's a very easy way to misconstrue what some foreign nation is doing. And then you have to remember that the reporting we get about foreign nations is often from mainstream outlets following the same agenda and the same storylines, feeding parts of the central narrative to populations around the world, much like our American propaganda state media does here. And I think this matters a great deal, particularly on how we're getting our information. If we had only been listening to the mainstream media outlets around the world, we would have an entirely false idea about everything related to Russia and Ukraine. Everything from the reason that the conflict started at the beginning to the status of that conflict. Now, we are consistently told that Ukraine is putting up an incredible defense of their nation against these Russian invaders. We're now being told Ukraine is going to launch a counteroffensive. Oh, they still have a chance to defeat the Russians, except they've never had that chance. And there's been no point in the last six months, six and a half months now, that operation has been going where Ukraine has done anything effective. And sure, there may have been ebbs and flows, but the situation has continually deteriorated for Ukraine in relation to Russia. The reason that conflict started in the first place was because Russia was defending what it sees as two independent republics in the Donbass from an ethnic civil war being waged by Ukrainian Nazis at the behest of the comedic actor in coordination with the global communists. And that is an insight that would be totally unavailable if we were focused only on global propaganda media. In the Ukraine situation, we were actually able to access independent reporting on the ground, and we were able to find information about the history of the conflicts there and the U.S. initiated coup that installed Ukraine's new president in 2014 at the choosing of American diplomats who are now part of the Biden fake administration. And my point is that we actually do have the access and ability to be able to acquire a more sophisticated view of geopolitics, which is not to say that we're just going to automatically be right all the time. But if we are going to move away from the central narrative and from the propaganda state media as it exists around the world, then we need to be able to change our thinking and we need to be able to change the streams through which our information reaches us. And I believe in large part we've done that, which is going to allow us to understand the impact of this situation in a way that CNN and MSNBC and Fox viewers will not, in a way that people who read the New York Times and the Washington Post and the LA Times and the Atlantic will not. These people are going to be discussing the pomp and circumstance. They'll have reports every day about how the people are reacting as Queen Elizabeth's coffin is carried by train down the East Coast main line. And it will all be very important. And child brained communists who voted for Joe Biden will tell you repeatedly about everything they know about the British monarchy because they enjoy being subjects. They want to feel like they are somehow close to being royalty by knowing about royalty and by talking about royalty. And it will be oh so interesting. Oh, I'm just obsessed with the British royal family. Oh, how delightful. But we're not going to do that because there is something much bigger and much more important afoot. And I would suggest that 
this announcement of the queen's death may open the door for this whole sovereign nationalist and populist movement around the world to take a giant step forward. And if that happens in Australia, could it happen in New Zealand? Could it happen in Canada? If the answer to those questions is yes, that's going to matter a whole lot. And if that begins happening, it may put the last few years into a much different perspective. Think back to 2016, Brexit, Donald Trump gets elected. Then we get Jair Bolsonaro rising up in Brazil, the populist movement in South America. We have other populist leaders around the world aligning with Donald Trump and pushing their nations forward in service of the people of their nations. And this is the exact process that was just described to us in the Operation London Bridge video as having the potential to weaken the British monarchy. And the British monarchy might be replaceable in that context with the global communist order and their own interests. But it's very possible that in the public understanding, we will begin to view COVID and the stolen American election and a number of other world events as being little more than operations to maintain control over the nations of the world by the global communist order and the global governing bodies like the UN, like the WHO, and like the global governing wannabes, the World Economic Forum. And once again, I'm a conspiracy theorist. I could be absolutely wrong about all of this. Time will tell. But for now, I have absolutely no interest whatsoever in the pomp and the circumstance. And I'm extremely interested in seeing what happens in Sweden's election and Italy's election and Brazil's election, where the rallies for Jair Bolsonaro are even bigger than Donald Trump's, and I'm saying by far, which is truly incredible. And I'll be watching to see if we start hearing about a move for Australia severing its ties to the British crown. And I think we may begin hearing rumblings from much smaller nations about that first, because as far as narratives go, those will be seen as less impactful and it'll kind of ramp up into more important countries leaving. The last thing they want the people of the world to think is, oh, the queen has died. Now all these countries are going to become independent, starting with Australia. That would be pretty massive news, especially if it happened right on the heels of all this. But we shall see. This is a significant event and not in the way it's going to be portrayed on the television. They will attempt to make it significant in an entirely different way so that no one ever pays attention to what the actual potential significance might be. But these are incredible times. The world is in flux right now, and all of this matters a great deal. So let's keep our eyes on the right thing. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic and Joe Biden will never be president.
In my mind, that's the end game. If you're listening to this episode for free, you can support me and support the show and the work I do by signing up for a paid subscription at imyourmoderator.substack.com. You can do so for as low as $50 a year or $5 a month. Comes out to under a quarter per episode and you'll blast right through the paywall for all of the writing. The merch store is www.cancelcouture.com and you can find everything else by heading to Linktree. Linktree.com slash I'm your moderator. And I'll see you soon out on the range. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble, and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at imyourmoderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash imyourmoderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!